Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode from the Side Hustler Society podcast. I'm your host, Elijah, and in this video, we're going to be talking about a much-anticipated topic called sales. See, many people nowadays are what I would call spoiled because there's so many side hustles that you can use on these apps, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash. Um, One of my friends was even tell me about an app called Instawork, which I just heard about. We might even look at covering that in the future. But the point is you can generate money without developing sales skills. And uh, if these apps let you go for whatever reason, that income will go bye-bye if you haven't developed the skill of sales. Even if you develop a trade or skill and you do that skill very proficiently, if you don't know how to sell, you are not going to make any income. Because in the world of entrepreneurship and freelancing, sales equals income. So that's why we're going to be talking about that today. And joining me during this podcast as our guest will be John LeHayman. He's been an entrepreneur since he was 19, and he started in a financial services firm. By 21, he became a manager. By 26, he was a senior manager, where the average senior manager was in their late 40s. Next, he expanded the company's operations with his team by opening several financial service offices in Arizona, Michigan, and Southern California. Finally, in December of 2020, he left the company he was at and opened his own financial service and insurance firm, Alters Insurance Solutions. Since then, Alters has doubled in size and volume for two years running. With that intro being done, we're going to both share perspectives and tactics that we've used in the sales field. Because me personally, I got my sales bones from my network marketing, and that transferred into my freelance career back when I was editing videos and designing websites which in turn helped me when I moved into entrepreneurship. Although I could make a pretty good claim to my first business, Asili Tiba, I learned a lot about sales there, but it wasn't really until I got involved in network marketing where they really started to take off. So with that being said, let's get started with the podcast. Welcome to the Side Hustler Society podcast with your host, Elijah Bilal. This is where you can find out more about hustles that are best for you. And of course, make more money in the process. Elijah has been in the gig economy and freelance space for over five years and has done over 3,000 deliveries on Uber Eats. He's an Airbnb super host, runs multiple YouTube channels, and is the author of the best-selling book, The Anatomy of Financial Success. It's his mission to empower people with the tools needed to be successful. Now, welcome your host, the king of side hustles, Elijah Bilal. All right, John, we are live. How are you doing today? Another day in paradise, Elijah. How are you? I'm doing all right. As we uh, talked about a little uh, before the stream, it's kind of like dark and gloomy here in Texas. It might rain, but you know, if the sun could just pop out for a brief moment, I'd appreciate it. But what are you going to do? Uh, well, you know, it was raining. I had to cancel my surf session uh, the past two days. So yeah, I was I was looking forward to that all week. <laughs> but it's okay. Next week, it's going to be even better. Right, right. But um, I'm really excited about this show because, you know, as everyone knows, uh, this is the Side Hustler Society podcast. And a part of the reason I started this podcast is to uh, be an alternative to like the gig economy stuff. It's uh, very powerful that you can go out there, do a few rides on rideshare or 
of food delivery or even like grocery shopping. But um, a lot of people, they kind of mistake. It's a side hustle, but you can be kicked off those platforms pretty easily if you just make a wrong turn, unfortunately. So until you really develop a trade or skill and have something to bring to the marketplace, I'd say your income is more or less at risk. But uh, let's say you get that trader skill. You become a plumber, graphic designer, video editor, whatever. Um, this is where the harsh truth of if you don't have sales skills, you're not going to be making that much money. And that, this is where these apps have kind of spoiled the marketplace. You can just kind of start making money without the sales skills and a side hustle. But once you actually get a trader skill, if you don't have any sales skills, it's not really going to serve you all that much. So I'm really excited about doing this show on uh, sales. I'm excited too. One thing I do want to point out, I never thought of it, but you're completely right. Uh, a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are on Fiverr. They're doing things that way um, and they're making their incomes pretty good. But five or 10 years, you know, if that app shuts down, they're done. They might have to switch to Upwork or whatever else, but completely right. I never thought of it that way. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, back in my freelance day, well, I shouldn't say back in. I still do take on freelance clients from time to time. But, you know, the skill that I bring to the marketplace is uh, video editing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never use Fiverr or Upwork mm-hmm. because I read their terms of service. I did not agree with the fact that if you take that client off the platform and they find out, they will just kick you off. Mm-hmm. Even though they're just a platform, they're not. You're the talent and the customer is the customer. You try and do something direct. That way they don't have to pay this big service fee to fiber or whatever. And neither do you. Oh, they'll give you the boot for that. So I just had the opinion of, oh, well, just I'm just not going to use them at all. I went and got my clients off the streets. I went to the mm-hmm. business chamber of commerce, you know, gave gave my 60 second pitch to, um, at the uh, meetings mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, met my clients on a meetup, not meetup, but I would go to meetups, mm-hmm. meet my clients like that. And to some degree, even just networking on uh, Facebook. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to um hop into it. But um, All right, cool. But some people might be uh, wondering exactly like what's your um your what's your history with sales? So how did you get in? How did you get started in sales? Wow, uh, I I've when I I've been in sales for a long time, but particularly financial services and insurance. Um, like most people who start off in insurance in uh, insurance uh, or life insurance specifically. I start. I joined a company when I was nineteen. Uh, my buddy uh, recommend my buddy recommended that I get started. I got started. The only thing I remember from the interview was two to four hours worth of work. You can make fifteen hundred dollars. Right. This is a nineteen-year-old kid. I a pre-law major in school, poli sci, pre-law emphasis at Cal State Northridge, and I'm like, I'm teaching karate on the side, so I'm like, huh. It doesn't make any sense. Sounds too good to be true. All right. You know, then I understand licensing and all these different things. And I'm like, okay, so this is legit. Cool. Let's go do it. No one told me that you have to be able to sell it. Right. Um, And it's, I don't know if you know this, uh, but life insurance sales is one of the hardest things to do. Who wants to talk, like, think about it. Do you wake up in the morning thinking, you know what? I'm going to, I might die. Right. So let me get some insurance because, you know, I might, pass away um no one thought no one thinks like that and no one wants to think like that right right um so i started that i started at 19 um at 21 i became or 21 or 22 i became a sales manager meaning i managed roughly 10 15 agents 
most of who, which were older than me. Uh, by 25, the, in the company I was in, I was a senior manager and I was being sent across the nation, across the country to open up and different branches for the company, right? And say, and train the sales force in those uh, branches, mainly Michigan and Arizona, and I'm from California, right? So mm -hmm. it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and then during COVID, I realized it was the best time. My vision and what the company's vision was, uh, that's a, it's a whole long other story. But at one point, I thought I'd eventually be the CEO of that company. But my vision um, and what the company's vision one was just didn't align anymore, right? And COVID was just the perfect opportunity for me to go and say, you know what, let's go. The world's changing. Uh, let me open up my own shop. Uh, luckily, all the agents that I had that were loyal to me uh, that I built over the last ten, nine years there, you know, said, hey, if you're leaving, we're coming too. All right. So that was pretty cool. So I've been training agent. I've been training people to do sales um, and financial services for, I want to say, almost 11 years. Now. Hmm. Right. Wow, that's that's powerful. Yeah, Man, especially um. I like the fact that you were kind of like self uh, self aware enough to see that your vision didn't align with your company's vision, and you mm -hmm. went on the left. I know a lot of people would just stay in that position and just kind of be bitter and just complain about stuff. But you realize you recognized it for what it was and decided yeah. to go out and start your own. It's a lot worse, uh, actually. I had shares uh, for when the company would sell. Right. Oh. Right now, actually, two years later, the company's selling. <laughs> They're in the process. I think the deal's closing like this month or next month or something. Right. I saw the pic I have friends that are still there. Um, so I walked it. It wasn't like, Hey, I just walked away. I walked away from, you know, what I built for like 10 years. And as far as that aspect, but it was just, you know, where the company wants to go with, you know, I talked to the people at the top and I talked to, and it was just like, no, mate, that's not what I want. Right. A lot of it is just I want more for myself. I want more for myself and I want more for my family. Right. And, you know, we just don't see eye to eye in a couple of things. And that was fine. Right. I still have a really good relationship with the people there. Right. 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 I think yeah. uh, the VP, the vice president there um, of a head of admin was messaging me on Instagram like last week or she was liking my posts so or my uh, stories. And I was saying, I hope you're doing well. Cool. Well, it's always nice to stay on uh, good terms. I know some people, they they create a quit talk. <laughs> I mean, they literally like, you just go on TikTok, and you see like all these videos of people like quitting their job in the most epic and ridiculous way possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and swinging back to the theme of this podcast, which is sales, they do so without the sales skills. And sometimes without the trade, and then they end up having to go crawling back, which is. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you could do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, there's a, a teachable lesson in this. Like for everyone listening, a lot of people have the dream of leaving their nine to five. And when you finally do, uh, just leave on good terms. Because uh, if you did have to theoretically go back, which to be honest, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you won't have to. But let's say if you did, you're not crawling back. You know, you, you come back on friendly terms and, you know, mm -hmm. plus it's just straight up professional. Yeah. Well, not only that, you know, if you're going to stay in the same business that they're doing, like I'm in, I'm in insurance and they're in insurance, other people left uh, on bad terms. Right. Now, mm -hmm. do you think the company like, you know, it was 
good about it? No, because what we do is super competitive when it comes to clients and agents, right? On an agency level. So they, if someone leaves on bad terms, they want and ruin that person's reputation, right? Regardless of whether that person was a good person or not, right? It's just human nature, right? You're again, you're fighting. We're all, let's say we're all in for us in Los Angeles. There's only so many people, right? right. You're eventually going to run into someone versus when you leave on good terms, you know, I have nothing bad to say about that guy. All right. Nicely put, nicely put. So there's that. Um, that's how, that's, that's another thing that you think of that I always thought of too. All right. Mm-hmm. Success in life is uh, measured by the quality of your relationships. Uh, audience, let that sink in. I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> so um, with that being said, it, when it comes to sales, what's the most important thing in uh, sales in your opinion? Okay. So in my opinion, I would say I would put sales equals success, first of all. So you're, and here's why, you know, you had, a, if you're married, you had to sell someone on marrying you, Right. Every day you have, if you're, you know, I don't know if I'm not married, I don't have kids yet, but from what I can see around my friends and cousins and family members who do have kids, they have to sell their kids on what to do a lot of the times, right? And they're going to say, no, they just tell their kid what to do. I'm like, no, man, your kid's screaming. He doesn't want to put the jacket on. You're, (laughs) you have to sell your kid on putting the jacket on, right? You have to sell your wife on why you guys shouldn't want, you don't want to go watch like some romance movie. And you want to go watch like, uh, you know, a Marvel's or Avengers movie, right? (laughs) Or something like that. Um, Or maybe sell her on where you want to go eat. So we're constantly selling nonstop. Um, We just don't know it, right? Or on the other side, we're being sold. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the two things, though, that I would say that make the most successful salespeople, the first one, uh, and they kind of tie into each other. The first one's not giving up. Right. So many people who have so much good potential in life and in sales, they just give up too early. Right. Mm -hmm. The second one is, I would say, is uh, improving yourself. So self-improvement. Self-improvement is a huge, huge, huge one. And I could take it in. We could just spend an entire podcast on just talking about this topic. Um, And I don't. But the biggest issue that I see in sales, and this is when I'm training my own uh uh, field, my own agents. It's the, I always tell them the biggest agent, the biggest issue that I see in sales is that people don't take enough time to develop their skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say sales skills is like, I know people who can sell cars, but they won't be able to sell what I sell. Right. I know people mm-hmm. who can sell insurance, but they won't be able to sell a car or real estate, not because of the passion, right. You do need to be passionate about what you're talking about. But because of the fact that they just don't have the the sales skills that transfer over to industry. Right. So the fundamental sales skills. Exactly. Right. So and those and nowadays in 2022, it's so easy to develop. Uh, when I started, I was reading books. Right. I read The Art of Selling by uh, Tom Hopkins and I was listening to Brian Tracy audios. I had to go find them, you know. Uh, I didn't pay for them. Remember when we had LimeWire risking my computer, right? Back when that was a thing. People would download music. You would download audiobooks. <laughs> I was downloading Brian Tracy, right? <laughs> Brian, if you ever watch this, sorry, I'll write you a check. <laughs> um, I doubt it. He's sold. I don't even think he knows like 
where Limewire was. Um, but all kidding aside, that's where that's that's what I was doing. But there, in 2022, all you need to do is go on YouTube. Right? If it's it's free. Right? Back then, it was like hidden. You had to know where to look for it. Right? Right. Um. So you know, I was risking my computer getting viruses. <laughs> to get it right and i was like with my friends uh you know when, when we were in college i was like he's like hey so did you find this audio yeah i got this one. Oh, by the way i got this one and then eventually um uh my friend was in real estate we had an entire of uh, the three of us between me brian other another brian not brian tracy uh between me adam and brian we had a huge dropbox file a dropbox file with a like a lot of brian audios by different self sales audios right and we'd be listening to them there. We'd be downloading them into CDs and putting them in dark cars. Right. Mm-hmm. This is before Bluetooth connecting to your phone, right? <laughs> so you got, back then, you could listen to like, back now you could just like, you don't, we're like, why would you download it on? Why would you bring it onto a CD if, you know, we have any of those Gen Z kids on there? They're like, what are you talking about, old man? Right? Versus like, you know, the, you know, then like the people a little bit older than us are like, oh, Back in my day, I had to put it on a cassette. We had to like rewind it with a pencil. (laughs) I remember those days. I just wasn't, I just never had to do it because I wasn't old enough. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So those are the two things is not giving up and uh, working on self-improvement. Everything else, if you can just do those two, if you don't make it, if you make a commitment not to give up and make a commitment to improving yourself, Right. And they go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. If you just give, if you don't, if you not, if you just keep trying, but you don't get better, you really give it up. Right. Right. Um, If you're constantly getting better, you're not going to give up because you keep seeing the progress. Right. Right, right. It's like when you're playing a video game and every level, every time you get to one stage further, you're like, okay, cool. I got to one stage further. Okay, cool. I got to one stage further. Okay. I got to one stage further. Everything else will come in once you do those two. All right. Right. And uh, for the uh, people on YouTube, um, see, he's talking about he's talking about CDs, like uh, you know, this uh, sales dog by uh, Blair Singer. Some uh, some people are too young to remember what a CD looks like, but it uh, it looks like this. Okay. And we have to use to insert them into uh, the CD cartridge in our cars. <laughs> or CD player, and that's how we had to listen to these things. I say that to say that y'all are spoiled nowadays, so please don't be complaining about the technology we have. It's oh. awesome, and it's on YouTube nowadays. It's on it's all the stuff that we, I risk viruses on my computer is on YouTube for free now, right? And there's even better stuff because technology is adapted, right? Um, I tell this to all my agents. Back in the day when I started, I was driving all over LA. Right to go see appointments. Right now, you're in Te- Elijah. You're in Texas. I'm in Santa Monica. We're we're having a conversation. Right, if we wanted to do something like this seven years ago, ten years ago, I'd have to fly out there, or you'd have to fly out here. Valid point. Yeah. I still remember back in the day when uh, <laughs> it was always evaluating. Like you get a you got a lead, and this lead is a big fish. It's kind of like but they stay like 20 or 30 miles away. Like, oh man, they're a big fish, but I want to drive that far. You convince yourself to go out there. It's like, all right, now, now I have to make this sale to justify my head, me driving out there. Like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. 
I know exactly what you mean. Right. Oh, man. I, I have a couple of those. Right. Funny thing is, is they weren't big. For a couple of mine weren't big fish either. They were like pretty small fish. I was just doing it to do it because I was one of those people. Um, I think for the management promotions on the company I was in, it was you had to hit a certain level of production and you had to have a certain amount of you have to have proven that you could have trained a certain amount of people. Right. So I think the average amount of cases for that level was like 20 in a rolling month or three and like three months. I think my number was 70. Like I had so many small little cases because I was just like, you know what, F it, we're going to do it no matter what. So oh, I, I was one of those people who would have driven there for the case that's not that big. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I respect that attitude. That attitude takes you far in life. Yep. So speaking of, this is actually going to tie into this question, but um, how do you find like your target market when it comes to uh, sales? <sighs> That's a hard one. Uh, and I, and we're going to say it's going to be different per uh, industry, right? Uh, one thing I would say is uh, you're, uh, you're right. You don't want to spread yourself too thin, right? You want to target, you want to go into a niche because uh, that's where the world is going nowadays with marketing, with sales and everything. Uh, riches are in the niches. Riches are in the niches for sure. But I would say... You, you try a couple different things, right? Find what works, right? And I think I'm going to tie this into, like, I can talk about how I built my business originally when I was younger. Um, we're going to jump into referrals because uh, I'm sure you're going to ask that later on. So my biggest thing was I found, a, I, I found someone, right? And I would work with them and I would give them such good service. And then, you know, obviously I got the business. But my next question was, is, hey, uh, Elijah, who are three people that you know that could really use the service that I talked about, right? Do you know anyone else? And I'd follow up with them, right? Um, and that's how I would do it, right? So I automatically would open up niches without even doing it because, you know, originally I started doing this with uh, one of my, my grappling instructor in karate, right? The guy who taught me how to grapple, you know, he owned the car sales, uh, a car sales lot. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know why I decided to try to sell life insurance to car uh, car salespeople. It was not a good idea. All right. They are not the easiest people to close. Right. But I did. Um, but I got him. I, you know, I sold his policy. Eventually he developed. He sold. He referred me to three, four of his his managers and his managers. Uh, I literally went down through the whole chain. So eventually I was bringing lunch there once a week. And I was writing policies on the entire office, right? And then he, I, he referred me to another car salesperson, right? Because I already got how they are. So I started specifically, like I was I was selling life insurance to people at car sales companies, right? Uh, or car sales, um, car salesmen, that's the word. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I developed niches. How would you find yours? Uh, well, the, if you were looking, if I'm training someone and they say they, Hey, you know, I want my niche to be a uh, policy specifically for corporations that they want to have like this big buy, sell, uh, type of agreement or business owners. Then I'd say a couple of things first, uh, get educated on what that niche needs. Right. 
our niche needs. You really, really need to know what they need, what solutions you can provide them, right? And those two are the ones. And really not what you think that they need, what they actually need. You need to go talk to a couple. If you're looking to specialize with business owners, you need to go to talk to business owners and say, hey, what are the biggest problems you have, right? Um, and let's say you're in editing, you're a digital editor, um, and you're they're like, okay, my the biggest problems, I'm making this all up. I have no idea what they would say, but I could say maybe my business is the biggest problem I have is I don't know when the footage is going to come. Sometimes they usually tell me it'll be ready in two days. It's ready in a week. Right. And they um, give me something else. Uh, I don't even know why I need it. They don't give me a guide of where to post it. I just get a video from him and it's it's great. And then he wants and then whatever. Right. Or why do I need a video? Right. Mm -hmm. So you would find their problems and then specifically they all have the same five problems. But you, after talking to five of them or 10 of them, you know exactly what almost every single person in that niche is going to have an issue with. You find a way for your product or your solution to solve that, right? Once you do that, boom, then you follow up with the referrals. Nice, nice. Right. And, um, you know, this is... Uh... Oh, by the way, the one thing I missed there is come up with an offer that solve that if they don't you don't solve their problem it doesn't cost them anything so if their problem was hey i uh i don't get my video as edited within the amount of time it's like hey look we'll have this to you in three days or it's free hmm. yeah that's one of the ways of influencing people is to offer something free in sales yep so it will solve their problem and if it doesn't solve if you don't get if they don't have the problem solved it's at no cost to them they yeah. automatically will want that right um so yeah you know that's a good uh kind of uh tying back into this uh technology and the advantages we have nowadays uh -huh. it uh it used to be you would have to put on your sherlock holmes hat and uh enter detective mode and actually go uh talk to people in this industry find out uh, what uh, problems they're having because uh, basically what he just broke down is going to be their rebuttals to uh, why they're not going to be interested. You find that out ahead of time. And then uh, when you do perfect your presentation and then get into the art of selling, uh, you can uh, put this in your presentation so you actually don't have as many objections or at the very least you're prepared for them. Or you can go do trial and error and lose leads by finding out like when they ask this question, like, uh, well, I have no idea. Yeah. But nowadays, you, you can still do one of those two methods, but just hop on Reddit or hop on any of these forums that are full of people in this community, and they put their complaints in full display for you to see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you type in, well, let's go with the video editing uh, example. You uh, go on Reddit and find a community of uh, people who are looking for video editors and their complaints like, oh, I hate the fact that my video editor isn't communicating with me. Like, I, they don't say when it's going to be the project's going to be finished, uh, how much B-roll they're going to be using, like how do I solve this problem? You'll find that on Reddit, and then when you go and approach these clients, you can make it part of your package. Like, hey, here's the terms of communications, and um, if you have any requirements as far as how you want things done, we can put together an SOP for me to follow. That way, we both have expectations on what you're going to get. You're solving the problem. 
But the beauty is these online forms nowadays are available for you to just grab that information versus before you had to enter detective mode and you know go talk to people and stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't still do that, but you can start with the online forms if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, one of the really big ones that I always saw is prefacing it with that is like, uh, hey, Elijah, most business owners tell me that they struggle with this, this, and this. Is that true for you? All right. And if it is true for them, you automatically said, they're like, yes, it is. Or if it's not true, then we're like, you know, we don't actually have that problem. But, well, what problems do you have, Elijah? Well, I have this problem. Okay, cool. So then you could think of something to come up with it too, right? You got, you're a little bit flexible, right? Bruce yeah. Lee said move like water. <laughs> I like that saying. Uh, we we kind of already tied into this question, but I guess we might as well go ahead and roll with it. But what advice would you give to the audience? when it comes to handling like rebuttals and objections when they're selling. Oh, okay. So I can say this for two things. If you're, if you're in sales and you're salary base, the rebuttals hurt a lot less, right? Versus if you're commission, if you're purely commission, right? Yeah. If you're purely commissioned, those rebuttals hurt because that means the rejection, right? For, it means that you, you're looking at it as, oh my God, I'm not going to eat, right? I'm not going to get paid. So a couple things. First, always, always, always take yourself out of it, right? But you're feel it's hard, but as best as you can, put yourself out. If you look at it as, hey, I'm here to serve the client, right? So if, and depending on what the rebuttal is, you just need to find a, they're just saying, hey, this is what I have a problem with, right? So you just need to give them a, a solution to that problem. So what if their rebuttal is, hey, I don't think it's going to work, right? Whatever you're saying, I don't, you know, I don't think this is going to be, this is this, uh, I guess let's continue with the video editing. I just don't think that me having this mark, this, uh, video it, and marketing it is going to work out is going to work. Um, well, I would say, well, why do you think my response to that would be, well, why tell me why, right? Or how do you mean, um, it's Brian Tracy. How do you mean? Right. And they would say, <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I've never tried anything like this and, um, I don't know what else, uh, I don't, my friend tried it, but okay. So when you, know, you just, as long as you dig into the, what the real problem is, is that you'll get it out, you'll get it out. Cause what they're saying most of the time doesn't actually have, it's not actually what they mean. Right. right. It, so it's there's two reasons that people like have rebuttals. The first one is what they tell you, and what the second one is what the actual what the real thing is, right? So first thing is find what the real issue is, right? And it could be like, hey, I just don't think that this is gonna work, right? Or it could be as, hey, I just don't think I have the money. If they if they're saying, hey, I don't have the money, it just means you need to bring the value of your of your product up, right? That could be in any different way, right? Or you need to relate them to, hey, you're not spending money, you're investing money, right? And this is what you get. For insurance, it's a little bit easier because we have illustrations that show, hey, you put this much in, you're gonna have this much coming out. We have third party, we have third party things backing this up. Uh, but for a lot of other people, like if you're a plumber, you you know, your, your sales pitch is slightly different. You always just have to bring the value of, hey, chances are if you use me, I'm not going to be the one I'm not, you're not going to have to come back here. I'm not going to have to come back here again because I'm going to do such a good job. You're paying for my service. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, or something like that. And you always just have to find what the real rebuttal is and address it. 
Uh, next thing I would say is not taking the rejection personally and the or the rebuttal personally, which I've seen so many people do. Um, and it's kind of funny. Have if you ever go out to eat, right? The server comes over. Like last night, I was at a restaurant. The server came over and said, "Hey, do you want to refill under Coke Zero?" And I said, "No." Or when they came and asked for the dessert menu, and I'm like, "Nah, I need to lay off." Right? Um, she and this, I said, "No." And the server take it personally. Mm-hmm. No, I obviously I, not. I just didn't want dessert. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if that person's not, you know, if that person's just not hungry for whatever reason, that could then just what for whatever you're saying, your product, they don't see your product as something that could solve their issue, then let them be. They're not your prospect. They're a suspect. Right? You want to sell to people who want to be sold. You want people who are your prospects. So those you know, those couple of things are the things that I do that I would say I would say to help. First, uh, don't take it personally, right? Mm-hmm. Which is really the fir- the last thing I ended on. Don't take it personally. Make sure they're a prospect, not a suspect, right? And find out what the real rebuttal is, because what the chances are, what they're telling you, it's not the rebuttal. Once you find out the real rebuttal, you'll be able to address the situation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you should know what the real rebuttals are, because you, in your business, if you're a professional. Right. And you're, you studied and you did what exactly what we talked about, where you did some research and you find out what the problems are. You can say it, you can always preface it too. Uh, you know, Elijah, the two reasons why people tell me that they don't have the, they don't want to proceed with my services are A and B. Right. Uh, they don't think that my, the, what I'm going to provide is enough value for the money that they're spending or that they just don't understand it. Which one is it with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, well, you know, it's a lot of money. Okay, so you don't see the value, right? So let's go over the value again, right? Or let's let's touch up where there is where that issue is there, right? right? And a lot of times, if it is a uh, a, a deficiency in how they're seeing the value, uh, you can address that by going back to either the time it's going to save them or the effort it's going to save them. So rolling with the video editing example let's say um they say it's uh, too expensive which means that the value hasn't been orchestrated in the right way in their mind if they're let's say if they're a youtuber you could ask them um about how long does it take for you to make a video and how much money does that video tend to produce how many videos could you spit out if all you had to do was focus it focus on the performance of the video your on-screen presence all that stuff and just outsource the editing how many more videos could you spit out per week or even per month even? Get them thinking about that and it starts to make more sense. Or if that person is more of a business person, maybe not, not a YouTuber, you could ask them how much do they charge for a consultation or coaching. And let's just say they charge like 250 per hour or something. You ask them how long are they spending editing their own videos? And when they start doing the math, that's X amount of consultations you could be doing and making money. So does the value, you're actually losing money by doing the editing yourself because that's money you could be doing coaching calls or consultation sessions and making more money. 100%. Yeah. And um, as far as like the rebuttals and stuff, like one thing I've noticed that this is assuming that they're a prospect, not a suspect. 
if they're a suspect, that's something different. I like that terminology you use. But for a uh, prospect, if it does come down to them saying no, oftentimes it just comes down to the timing. It, it literally often has nothing to do with you. Assuming you have, uh, you know, perfected your sales skills, but um, assuming that's been done, it's just the timing. Like, if you approach them a week later, it might have worked. Or a week before, it might have worked. It's just the timing. You got to make peace with that sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's actually funny you said that. Last week, we were bringing an agent on board. And we were following up with this agent. And that's one thing that we should discuss is follow-up. Uh, he and he, I don't know. Well, no, there are two agents. One we were following up with for a while. The second one, uh, to leave the firm that he was at and come to ours. The second one, he was, it was a process of, he's like, look, if you asked me a week ago, I wouldn't, I would have said I'm too busy. And if you asked me a week later, I would have told you, Hey, I'm, uh, uh, not now. Right. So it was just the timing of when we, what we, we got to him. Right. And that's the other thing that we, we, we always recommend is follow up, which is golden. Right. Um, the fortune is in the follow up. Most people I, say, I was about to say that you beat me to it. Yeah. Uh, well, most people say no four times and they say yes on the fifth one. Statistically speaking, if you look at uh, the sales process, it takes four no's to get to one yes, right? With one person. So you just have to keep, again, it goes back to never giving up and keep going and going and going. Um, and nowadays it's so much easier. When I started, I had a little prospect book that I used to sit there and write notes on the person like, okay, he's married, he has two kids. Uh, his kids' names are George and Fred. So when I call him, I'm like, hey, hey, Elijah, how's George? How's Fred doing? Right? Um, you know, how's your wife? I know you guys just went on your anniversary to India or um, just making things up. But that's literally what I have to do. Nowadays, I think we have CRMs that are free. Right? You don't even have to have a membership. Uh, you don't even have to pay anything. And they give you a free CRM. They'll email your clients and you can write all the notes on you want and you have access to it on your phone. Right? Technology's made it so much easier. <laughs> I find it funny. We keep coming back to like how technology is main is streamlining a lot of things for people. This is actually a good tie-in to uh, this question, but like keeping in touch with clients, like potential clients, is important when it comes to keeping a steady stream of uh, warm leads. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice you want to give to people on how to do this? All right. Uh, so again, we just talked about the CRM. Right, having a client relationship manager again, they're free nowadays. You can have them, or if you want to do it old school, have a notebook, a pen, and paper, and just write have a page for each prospect. Uh, what I would say though is for me, what's work is actually getting to know them. Right, this goes back to personal relationship. People want to do business with people they like and know. Right, if you're the guy, or like let's just put it this way you're on Instagram. If that if there's someone who's always just posting about buy my product, buy my product, buy my product, buy my product, what do you do? Mute or unfollow, right? If you know them and you don't want to unfollow them, you just mute them. So that way, if they check their followers, you're still there. Right? <laughs> let's be let's be real. Um, but if you don't, you're just like, dude, I don't want to see you selling it, right? Uh, it's the same thing in real life. If you look at it, if you're you don't people don't want to have relationships with the people who they don't know. Right. And that's where, uh, or that are always just trying to sell them something. Some people are like, Hey, look, let's just go straight to the chase. This is what I want. This is what I need. You got the service. Let's go. Right. But even then 
Um, if you take do a little bit of more time, just do a little bit of work and just get to know them a bit, right? Ask them how they are. Ask them how their friends and family are. Have notes on who they are when you're talk when you're talking to them. But uh, that'll go a long way, right? And then on ho- and then again, it's uh, it's been so easy. I think this month or on uh, not this month Thanksgiving, I sat there and sent over four hundred fifty text messages, right? Uh, manually, but I had a, and these are all my past clients, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was something simple as hi, Elijah, this is John Loham. I just wanted to take a, a minute and let you know how thankful I am for you trusting your family's financial future with me. Right. In the past, I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. Right. If I had a little bit more relationship with them and it wasn't awkward, I would say, you know, I've, I've talked to them in the last couple of months. I'd say I'd add a little bit more of a personal touch, but right. even people who I haven't spoke, I had clients that since we transitioned for, I transitioned from the old company, the new company, haven't spoken to them in like five years. And now because of just the rules of the company are, I had access to them and I could talk to them again. Right. Without, mm-hmm. without causing any issues. Right. So I was able to do that. Like, you know, just something like that. And this, he's like, I found out that one of my clients that lived in Santa Cruz moved to Texas and he's actually, he's actually a video editor for like movies, which is funny because we're talking about digital editing, right? <laughs> so um, getting to know the person a little bit, having notes on who they are, because I know you're talking to a hundred people, but you should at least have a little notepad or a little something or in your CRM, take notes. Okay. This is who the person is, what it is. Uh, if you know what their birthday, if, is great you could shoot them a happy birthday text here and there to put on your calendar to do but those little personal relationships add up a long time if now if you do that with one person might not happen but you tell if you're doing that with a hundred people chances are you brought your sales numbers up a little bit right Mm -hmm. and that's actually one thing that i would also talk about sales is like i would i would sales is a game of inches right you're, if you add every skill you add on, isn't going to be, isn't going to improve uh, on a small, on a small scale. If you do with one client or two clients, but over the course of a hundred clients, okay, your follow-ups coming up, you're doing this, you're, you know, you're getting, you're developing your sales skills. You're getting, you're practicing uh, handling rejections. You're practicing, no, uh, no, your presentation, right? When you look at the grand scale, when you look at the overall scale, you're going to, your chances are, you're going to be a lot better and better. Right. Um, so it's the game of inches is every little thing that you do just brings you up 1%, right. It brings up a 1% closing chance. So there's that too. Yeah. And, um, what you mentioned, this is where referrals start to happen on their own. When you do these little things, cause you're changing how people feel. And, um, obviously people need whatever you're selling your services, but if you make them feel good, this is when they'll start to just without you even asking, they'll start to refer you. Yeah. And also you have to stay in front of them, right? Think about it. These people have, you know, the news, they have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Netflix. Netflix, constantly people think are in their face and trying to get their attention, right? All of these sources have advertising. All of these things have uh, um, things of ways to grab their attention. You really think they're sitting there like, okay, how many, who do I know that I could send Elijah uh, today for, so for his video editing services, they're not going to think about you in five minutes because someone else is going to grab their attention. 
So you do these little things will help you get in front of them and they'll help you keep them in the front of your mind. Right. Yeah. And that, that's also one of the reasons why I've been successful uh, at getting referrals is because I do all these little things. Right. That said, I'm personally not perfect. I do mess up all the time. And if you do mess up, don't beat yourself up. Just do it next time. Right. That's another thing that I would. Oh, that's another big part is no one's perfect all the time. No one stays on their diet 100 percent of the time. No one. Um, well, almost I shouldn't say no one, but almost no one stays on their diet all 100 percent of the time. Almost no one is perfect every day. And you, there might be days that you forget to message people happy birthday or whatever it is. Just start to just start uh, doing it the next day or just start the next or start today. All right. Because. Again, you law of action, um, the law of averages, if you just keep doing it over a period of time, you'll get the results. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And um, there's a chance you may have already said it already. You know, let me know if you have. But like, what's the biggest piece of advice that you want to give the audience? Like when it comes to sales and we've covered a lot of ground, so you may have already given that advice. Uh, it would be it would go back to the beginning on how we started. Uh, constantly try to improve, constantly try to get better, right? The person who thinks they're done is usually the person who who, uh, who loses, right? Even till this day, uh, I'm still reading books. I'm actually reading more. I read more books in 2022 than I've read in any other year. Mm -hmm. right? I'm, listening to more, I'm still listening to audios and trainings and videos, and I'm trying to improve. I'm still looking at how to make, you know, our presentation slightly more better, right uh maybe add another tie down tweaking things to see if it'll work better on uh, just working with our when we're working with our agents so i think it's that would be the biggest thing if you're constantly trying to get better and you're constantly trying to like i would say level up mm -hmm. you're always gonna win because you're every day it's just a little bit more it's a little bit better it's a little bit better uh, you know a lot of you need to take massive action a lot of times but if you improve 1% a day over the course of a year, it's 365%. Oh, I like that. I like that. And we're going into a new year. Uh, I took that from James Clear, Power of Habit. Great book. Uh, one of the books I read today, uh, this year. Uh, but yeah, we're going into 2023. I forgot what year it is. <laughs> we're going into 2023 in a couple of weeks. And that's something for you to remember. 1% every hour, 1% every day, it's going to be 365%. And even if you mess up half the time, still 180% better. All right. Nice, nice. And uh, you touched on something that uh, Robert Kiyosaki mentioned in his book, Before You Quit Your Job. Mm -hmm. But he talked about the difference between an employee and uh, an entrepreneur. And one thing about the employee mindset is, there's a graduation date in mind where you get your degree, then you start making money. And then maybe you decide to get higher education and maybe make more money. But there's always a graduation date in the, in your head. But when you're an entrepreneur, you need to be comfortable with the fact that there is no graduation date. It's an ongoing learning process. And your cup must always remain um, uh, remain empty. That's what you said. Your cup should never be full. You should always be learning and that's just part of the process of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. so that, that's something to take uh take away audiences realize that this is an ongoing journey of learning and kind of embrace that because that's how you're really gonna take your skills and anything but in this case sales to the next level 100 percent agree 
So um, I would say we are getting uh, close to the end of the podcast. We'll start wrapping up pretty soon. But uh, one of my uh, audience members, uh, he knows that I was going to be talking to you today. And he he's, he really wanted me to ask this question. But uh, with you being uh, in insurance, he wants to know, like, what does it take to start, like, an insurance company? Uh, an insurance agency? To, you know, that's such a low, that's such an interesting question. It depends on where you want to go with it. Right. And I actually just wrote a book on this. Um, maybe when the it's going, it just got edited and it's going through, uh, uh, it's being illustrated right now, whatever little pictures we need and the covers being made. Um, I'll send it to you. We could put a link to the video, put a link to it, but it really depends on what you want. Right. We have insurance agencies that are like one, which majority of insurance agencies are one man shows. Right. They might have two or three agents. Let's be real. Insurance companies, because technically they're a company, they're a corporation or LLC. And then we have a bunch that are, you know, we have a bunch that are huge. And then we have a bunch in the middle. Right. And there are different breakpoints of where they all get stuck in. Um, personally, our goal is to go into M&A, right, which is mergers and acquisitions and buy other agencies and eventually sell our company. So mm-hmm. You know, it depends on what you want. Do you just want to be an independent agent um, and just want to work? You know, you just want to do that or it, depending on what you want, you're going to get a different answer. So and the short answer is the first thing if you have to decide is whether you want to actually train and mentor agents. Uh, the second thing you want you have to decide is uh, um, how big you want to go with it. Right. And are you will- what's even bigger is are you willing to do the work? Right. Because each one, if you just want to do personal sales, you can go out there. You can easily in this industry, you can make half a million dollars for 300 to $500,000 a year just in sales, right? No problem, right? There are people who even make seven figures in just in sales in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. Just like real estate. However, you know, if that's not your, if you want to, you know, you could just hustle hard and you can easily do that or not easily. It's a lot of work, but you can do that or versus going, opening the agency. Or, so, or the path to doing it is simple rather. Huh? What the path to doing it that way is simple or simpler. Yeah. You don't have to deal with people. You don't need an admin staff. You don't need operations. Maybe you need one assistant, right? To help you with your, to get the cases, to help cases go through. But you, you know, it's like opening, being a real estate agent, being a, a one man real estate broker. It's just you, you're the only agent of your, at your brokerage or it's you and your wife versus, which I see a lot of all the time, right? Versus, you know, trying to open up your own real estate company. Right. They're, very, they're very different things. So, but I would say if you wanted to start, first thing, you need to be able to write business and you need to be able to produce and be really good at it. Because if you can't, then chances are you're going to go hungry. <laughs> so that's the first thing you need to do. Your sales skills have to be up there. Your prospecting has to be up there too, right? Because no one's going to listen to you if you're not successful, right? So right. if you want to even go to the next part. Um, but it always, for me, it always starts with self-development, constantly trying to improve, uh, second after that. And that's, that would help everything. But obviously if you want to open up an insurance agency, you want to, um, get, you need a license, you need a bunch of other things, right? You need, depending on what state you're in, there are different qualifications. So you need that. Then you also want to look at how you're going to get clients. Are you going to go based off of word of mouth, friends and family? There are a lot of companies that do that. Uh, our company actually has vendors that sell you appointments so you can get online. You can get on Zoom with someone and, stuff and just, you know, do that over the phone or over Zoom. So there are a couple of different ways to go about it. 
But really, it would just the first thing I would say is really develop your skills and really practice. Right. Um, that said, I'm going to do a little shameless promotion. If you are looking to get in the industry, uh, get a hold of me. Uh, we are we are licensed in all 50 states. Um, well, we're licensed in New York, but we don't want we can't really onboard you in New York. But if you are looking to get in the industry, get a hold of me. My info is just below or wherever it's going to be. It'll be in the uh, description on YouTube and in the show notes on the uh, in the podcast. Awesome. Okay, cool, cool. So I always ask my uh, guests if uh, they have any question they want to hit me with, John, before the show ends. So do you have a question you want to hit me with? Uh, me? Yeah. What made you want to open up a? Po- what made you want to start a podcast on side hustles? Hmm. What made me want to start a podcast? A uh, po- I did partially answer this with the old gig economy stuff, mm-hmm. as um, you know, as you probably know, but based on the intro, uh, I have over three thousand deliveries, like with Uber Eats, and I've done Uber and uh, Lyft. So I've been a part of the gig economy, but uh, it was always a means to an end, mm-hmm. and um, the game plan was always to, and I, I got involved with the gig economy because I wanted to build a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So it, that YouTube channel was the app lifestyle. So the plan was to make money with this uh, gig economy stuff, make content about it, and then uh, pivot that information to personal finance, mm-hmm. and then uh, use that money from personal finance to acquire uh, real estate. And okay. that, that's basically what I did. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted people to come with me in terms of following a, a similar game plan. Like, hey, this gig economy stuff is supposed to be temporary. You know, um, use the freedom that you'll get since you can control your schedule. Develop a trade or a skill. And um, once you get that, you'll start making money that way because, you know, these gig apps, mm-hmm. you're expendable. Yeah. And a lot of people, maybe 10% of people took that advice. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that was an, a high enough percentage because I see people get deactivated from Uber and Lyft all the time for some dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. And since they don't have a trader skill. They're just kind of left out to dry. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, I have done so many quote unquote side hustles throughout the years that I wanted to share the processes of how I've been successful and mm-hmm. things that I haven't done. I want to bring that information to the marketplace and mm-hmm. interview people so people can get some inspiration and details on how to make certain things work. So mm-hmm. those combined kind of inspired me to start the Side Hustler Society podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's not a drawn out explanation. But I, I would say that's the most, uh, that's the main reason that uh, caused me to start the podcast. It's cool. Okay. All right, John. So before we uh, get out of here, uh, where can people get more of you if they uh, want to reach out? And uh, also, uh, feel free to plug your insurance company in too. Okay. Uh, right now, we're currently rebranding our uh, insurance company. We are in the process actually of a trademark lawsuit which is really funny. So the name of our company is Altus Insurance Solutions. Um, we didn't do anything wrong, but someone, Altus was never anything we heard of and we thought we were being unique and apparently we weren't. So we're actually in the name of, re, we're in the process of rebranding, but you can just get a hold of me through my regular email, John, J-O-N, my last name at gmail.com, L-O-Y-H-A-Y at gmail, or also you can go to johnlohayam.com. Uh, that site's being built out right now. Okay. Cool, cool. So we'll go ahead and uh, conclude this episode of Side Hustler Society podcast. If you're watching us on uh, YouTube, if you can give us a thumbs up, 
with our YouTube algorithm. Very much appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new. And if you're listening to us on the go podcast-wise, if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be very much appreciated. With that being said, everyone be safe and profitable. We'll catch you on the next show. This episode may be over, but your hustling journey has just started. Visit the SideHustleSociety.com to access all links and resources mentioned in the show that will help you on your hustler's journey.